Welcome back to SwitchCast Live. I'm your host, Doug Tabbitt, and SwitchCast is a podcast where we seek to educate, edify, and entertain you on the drive of your life. So we were off last week. Uh, I mean, heck, we're, we're off most weeks, even when we're here, but you know, hey... I, I need Tyler's hail. It's hail. <laughs> can't do it. I can't do it like he can. Anyway, but we are here again, and we are planning to be on tonight. Uh, I'm always on in my own mind. So uh, we thank you for joining us here. We thank you, uh, YouTube people and TikTok people and Facebook, pe- Facebook people for joining us live. And uh, we're doing a Q&A session tonight. Uh, we've got some topics to catch up on, some follow-up on the transport uh, stuff we talked about. We had two segments on, some follow-up on buying and selling through dealers or not through dealers, how to best market your car. So we're going to do some of that follow-up, but also take your questions live throughout the show. Um, uh, I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh a lot growing up. Put your political convictions aside. He was an excellent very professional radio host, and he had a segment every week called Open Line Friday, which he trademarked, actually. Nobody else could use that. So we call it Wide Open Wednesday. We've done a few of them way back when, but uh, this is another Wide Open Wednesday. We do have some some preloaded stuff to talk about and, of course, some of our usual segments. But uh, we look forward to answering your questions about anything automotive, whether it's buying, selling, shipping, fixing. You know, if we don't know the answer, we'll just make it up. So... One of us will be furiously Googling on the side to try to give you the hot off the press's knowledge. Mark Spence is with us. Uh, he doesn't have a microphone, but he doesn't need one. He'll just hey. be, uh, yep, there we go. Yeah. Yep, peaking already. And uh, so yep. throw those questions into the live chat, and um, Tyler or Ethan will get them over to us. So uh, once again, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, I wanted to follow up on the transport stuff. That was a fairly hot topic, and it took two entire segments just to cover how crappy uh, the transport industry is and how to somewhat navigate your way navigate your way through it. A little Freudian slip there. And, uh, you know, I had to almost go back to square one the past couple weeks because I was trying to get a couple cars shipped uh, via open transport, which I hate doing. I rarely do. I won't do it for customers because it's too much hassle. Um, but the type of cars I was shipping required it. I was shipping a Unimog, which is nine feet tall, and a Sprinter van and some other cheap car for somebody. Oh, I had uh, ship a Porsche Cayenne for Ed Bolian, and Ed Bolian is Mr. Cheap. So he, of course, didn't care how uh, shady the trucker was as long as they weren't going to steal the car or drop it off the trailer. So I had I spent probably two weeks dealing with open carriers and in those two weeks experienced almost every horror story that I have warned people against but even saw a couple new ones. So I'll just tell you some of the stories and, and I mean this is why we don't use open carriers. Like it's just it's trying to sift through the garbage to find a, you know, a fresh piece of corn, you know, (laughs) like, oh gosh. So, uh, there was this company called NE86. Um, and you know, most of these companies you can't find online. You have to, we use a load board called central dispatch. So it's not like they have a website or anything like that. They specialize in, in being fly by night. I should start a trucking company and call it that, fly-by-night trucking. 
Um, so, um, anyway, any 86, their feedback, they wanted to haul a car for us and their feedback, uh, so you can rate the carriers said that they wrecked a car. Somebody had written that they damaged a car and refused to pay for it. And I was like, Oh gee, that's, we're not off to a good start. Um, so I'm usually fairly straight with these truckers and just tell them like, Hey, your feedback sucks or you don't have enough insurance or whatever. And, um, their response to that was via text. We have experienced driver. You don't need to worry. Mm. <laughs> Doubt. Yeah. So props to somebody who, who commented on the, the story that I posted on this. They said, yeah, experienced in wrecking cars. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, pretty much. I'm like, what? what? Yeah, experienced driver. Okay. Um, so, and the other thing that I told this company, separately from you wrecked a car, is you don't have enough insurance. So one of these that I posted was you have to have a minimum of 500K in insurance. Um Oh, because one of them was enclosed. That's what it was. I had to get a Porsche from Dallas to Minneapolis, and none of my usual carriers could do it. And one of the reasons is that everybody, everybody is in Monterey for Car Week this week. And every carrier worth their salt has been taking cars to Monterey for the past three weeks. So that just completely screws up. So basically, like, three weeks before and after Monterey and three weeks before and after the Scottsdale auctions you can't get a car shipped anywhere enclosed because all the carriers for good cars are going to and from there. So I couldn't find anyone. So I had to go to central dispatch and I'm just sifting through all these people. And I put in the criteria, you have to have minimum of half a million in cargo insurance in order to like, don't even call if you don't have it. And people would keep calling with 250 grand, keep calling with 250 grand. So I said, no, you can't take it. Like, one, you wrecked a car. Two, you don't have enough insurance. So like six hours later, they text me from a different number and told me that they had 500K in insurance. And I'm like, what's your company name again? Oh, NE86. Nope. Yep. You still have 250 grand. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not stupid. Yeah, because you did post one though of like a Carrera um, GT in the trailer, and you're like, "Cool photo, not enough insurance, bro." <laughs> yeah, I think that was also the same one. Yes, they sent a picture of a Carrera GT to say like, "Oh yeah, we hauled this." I'm like, "Cool beans." Yet didn't have to file a claim just because you hauled a million dollar car doesn't mean you're going to be hauling my car. Um, so another company had horrible feedback on Yelp, like really, really bad. Um, over and over again, one star damaging cars, not paying for them. One customer said they went totally dark for a week. Um, I, I mean, reading these reviews was scary as all get out. Um, like out of eight reviews, five of them were, they wrecked my car. <laughs> oh, <that's incredible>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's not a good ratio. I, yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so I, I texted the trucker and i'm like hey yeah i'm not gonna use you guys you have terrible reviews and he's like well like what and so i just screenshotted all of them like one after the next after the next kept sending him to him and he's like oh well those are those are old reviews did you look at the date on those we have we have new people now i was like yeah no like crap flows downhill 
So if it's still your company and you were there, like the reason you didn't pay those claims and ignored your customers is because you were the person not handling things. Like the driver doesn't handle the insurance claims. You were the one that stonewalled the customers and refused to file a claim when you wrecked somebody's car. Like the driver could be good or bad. You could file fire the driver, but like it's still your company. Like I'm not going to fall for that. Well, because yeah. either way, they'd want to take care of somebody. If they truly were as stand-up as they're probably trying to tell you they are, they'd take care of bad situations. Right. Right. Exactly. You could say, oh, yeah, we, we fired that driver, and I handled the problem. But you obviously didn't, <laughs> yeah. because all these reviews say that you wouldn't communicate with the insurance company. You stonewall the whole process so that you know the claim didn't go through. Uh, yeah. So the best one was... MVP one transport out of Tampa, Florida. So, and, and this is where I mentioned earlier, the 250 K everybody has 250 K. Well, I've learned why this week. <clears throat> so on central dispatch, it says they has have 200 grand in cargo insurance, right? So every, almost every carrier has a million dollars in liability because that's what, what is required by the DOT. Like it's legally required that they have a million dollars in liability, but the cargo insurance is what covers your vehicle in the trailer. Liability covers when they hit somebody else. Um, so I was like, yeah, that's, um, 200 K isn't going to cut it. So they said, Oh no, no, no. We recently updated our coverage and we upped the amount to 500 K. I said, great. Send me a, a certificate of insurance. So a day later, they sent me a certificate of insurance. But like most of the fields were blank, which was a red flag. And the font for the 500K in cargo was a different font than the million dollars in liability. <laughs> and I'm looking at this Comic going, <laughs> okay, I'm not an idiot, but I'm also not going to like, Accuse them of fraud without verifying it. So I picked up the phone and, and called their insurance company, their insurance agent. And I was like, hey, um, how much insurance do these guys have? And they said, well, their insurance is active. I'm like, well, that's a start. <laughs> they said, it's 200 grand in cargo insurance. I was like, that's what I thought. I'm like, just so you know, they sent me over a certificate that said they had 500K in cargo. And the lady's like, oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Three minutes later, I get a call from another person in the office and she's like, could you uh, could you send me that thing that they sent you? <laughs> they were very interested in the story and asked me to send them the, the fraudulated certificates. Uh Oh, if, if that's a word, Michael Scott. Anyway, so I. I this is what truckers do, right? So they're MVP one transport. They probably used to be MVP transport <laughs> and, and look out soon for MVP two transport coming in hot from the Tampa area. <laughs> so I found out the whole 250 K thing, right? So the, the agent said, because they have progressive cargo, uh, progressive offers a maximum of 250 K in cargo coverage for uh, commercial policies. I was like, oh. Now, my agent told me a little while back that progressive is like insurance purgatory. They'll take anyone that's been rejected by other carriers. So if you got like DUIs, a bunch of tickets, if you're a cannonballer, anything like that, you go to progressive, but you pay a price. 
And I was like, man, that makes sense because like every sketchy trucker I get a COI from is progressive cargo. Like it's a lot of them use that. I'm like, that explains why none of them have more than 250 K in coverage. I guess somebody's got to take them. Somebody will risk that money. <laughs> is that the same progressive here in Mayfield? Yes, that is progressive, like progressive field. Yep. They're also probably just trying to bundle it with their home and normal auto insurance to get them savings. <laughs> their apartment in Chicago, because all the sketchy truckers operate out of an apartment in Chicago. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, well, with that, let's go to a commercial and then we'll come back and uh, get to some questions. Switchcast is brought to you by Boxcast. Boxcast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers around the world. Their founders launched Boxcast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people a part of the experience. If you're looking to live stream your podcast, church service, car show, sporting event, wedding, or even your cannonball attempt, Boxcast is an easy and flexible live streaming platform for organizations. Boxcast is so easy that we're broadcasting this show with a phone. So head on over to switchcars.com slash boxcast for your free trial. All right, it looks like Doug had to go uh, take a little bit of a break. Uh, we've got the Corvette curmudgeon back here in the studio with us. How are you doing this evening? I'm pretty good. That's you know you're always you're always pretty happy when you come in here. I don't yep. know if you're that way when you leave. I'm you're... pretty excited. Ooh, why is that? This weekend is a Woodward Dream Cruise. Oh, but heck yeah, friggin' home of you know Detroit Iron and uh, Woodward Avenue is where they used to street race back in the day. I went up there, you know. And uh, with my uh, 67 Corvette. And, uh, yep, I, I put a $100 bill on the, the dash. And I told anyone that rode in, if they could if they could get it, then they could have it. And, you know, I stomped on the gas. And it torque drove them back in the seat. Nobody ever got that $100 bill. But, yeah, Woodward used to be a nice street racing alley up in, up in Detroit. And now they do, uh, it's highly commercialized, but it's pretty fun. You go up there, and there's, there's about a million or so people there. Ooh. And uh, cars just rolling up and down. Cruising up and down Woodward Avenue, there's parties and car shows everywhere, and you know some a whole lot of rare Corvettes and stuff, and yeah, should should be a real good time. It's, Will you be uh, taking your Corvette up there? To, oh to, heck no, <laughs> I ain't gonna put that many miles on there, or risk a scratch on it or something like that. No, nope. there's could, no awards uh, up there either. Oh well, well we know that you gotta fill up your trophy shelf, but I mean you could put it on a truck and take it up there. No, no, I, I've been listening to this show you guys talk about. I just heard that Doug kid friggin' talk about um, horror stories with truckers. I ain't paying no friggin', friggin' foreigner to take my keys and take my Corvette. I'm the only person that's ever driven my Corvette. You think I'm going to let some friggin' guy who can't speak English drive my car? I mean, there is a lot of risk. I've had three cars shipped, and I always get nervous every time before it goes on. It's not gonna, is it going to show up? Is, there gonna be, is the hood going to be missing? I don't know. But it all worked out fine, so it might be worth the risk. You could go enjoy your your Corvette like you used to uh, back in the day. You know I don't saying? like to take risks. I understand that. I had the same job for 50 years, the same wife for 41 years. I'm, I'm not all about taking risks. The last risk I took was asking her on a date. And it paid off, though, right? Yep. Yeah. Wonder. Well, we'll let you do. You know, I just I hope you have a good time this weekend. But I did want to ask you something tonight. Um, so if you yeah, could, if, if you have oh. people watching this thing, right? Yeah. Right yeah. The, well, the well, come up and say hi to me at the Woodward Dream Cruise if if you're up there. <laughs> yeah. Will you uh, be wearing the same uh, same outfit you've got on the the live stream here? 
I'll be wearing my New Balances for sure. There's oh. a lot of walking up there. I need yeah. to be comfortable. We'll be able to see you from a mile away. Oh, yeah. So uh, what I wanted to ask you tonight is uh, if you could make any law or change any law that has to do with the road or driving, right. what would that be? Oh, that's, that's a good one. If I was president of the world, huh? Well, you don't have to be all that. You could be, you know, governor of a state or all right. I don't know. Uh, let's see. You don't have to go president of the world. It's a bit dramatic. I think I make a rule that uh, that uh, nobody under 30 could have a car more than 250 horsepower. Why? That would take care of them friggin' idiots doing them street takeover things and... And, you know, uh, doing donuts in the middle of the road and then drifting things and always wrecking into people. I, if you gave them nice slow cars, I had a slow car when I was a kid and didn't get into no trouble. So you say under 30, right? Yeah. what you said? So I've... All uh, them, what they call them, millennials? It, for now, yeah. Uh, so I feel like we've got a good rapport. Do you think I'm a responsible human? Do you think I can take, I can handle a car? For the most part... So I've got. I don't a, know. You wear some tight pants sometimes. <laughs> I'm not sure about anyone that wears yeah. clothes like that, and you drink them fancy cocktails. Yeah. But I think generally you're you're a pretty decent person. So I've had a 911 <laughs> with uh, like 320 horsepower for six years, and I'm not even 30 yet. What's a 911? It's the <laughs> the Porsche. You know, they all look the look the same. They got the like swoopy back. The engines in the rear. Oh, yep, yep. The Porsche. No, yeah, that. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick with that. That's fine. Are you rich, kid? Your daddy no. buy that for you? <laughs> no, I bought that myself. I'm, Somebody else's I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm impressed. Brought a Porsche. Bought a Corvette. No, well, I could have. That's interesting, though. You know, I, I I'm gonna go ahead and disagree because I think you know for maybe we can up it to 400 horsepower and then I'll feel. But then I would at least be all right for me. But you know. That's an interesting thought. Them porches make 400 horsepower? Some of them do. a little dinky six-cylinder in there, ain't it? None of the ones I can afford make that power, but some of them do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well, V8 thank you very much for... Uh, nothing beats cubic inches. Ain't uh, no replacement for displacement, ain't that yeah, right? Yeah, there yeah, there go. you go. <laughs> oh, you You're got getting a, it, got a smile out of him. Look at that. <laughs> Look, every, every day is an adventure here on SwitchCast. Well, thank that. you very much to the Corvette Curmudgeon for coming in again <laughs> tonight. It was good to see you, and I uh, hope you have a good time I'll this weekend. I'll see you up at Woodward. Yep. <laughs> yeah, buddy. All right, the Corvette Curmudgeon, as always, is brought to you by, unwittingly, by the Corvette Buy Sell Trade Group on Facebook, your source for cranky boomers, overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. Uh, speaking of that phrase, <clears throat> which so, sounds no, like the, the, no replacement for displacement? No, the cranky boomers, oh, yeah. overpriced Corvettes, and reinforced stereotypes. That's a good one. So, um, I we were talking about kit cars a while back and how I made a bet that nobody could find me a kit car that needed nothing. And we got an email. We've gotten a few responses from that. I did end up sending out a T-shirt to somebody. Oh, that's and right, because didn't somebody send, like, a, a factory car? Five, yeah, factory 18, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got an email from Matthew Deach on a kit car that needs nothing. And the reason this has to do with the cranky boomers, overpriced stereotypes, whatever. Uh, he said, I love the podcast. It's an absolute blast to listen to. Let Ethan know that I also chuckle at the Corvette yeah, buy, sell, it's trade good, uh, it's good. Uh, tagline every time. He did chuckle again tonight. I've, it might just be because up. I'm staring at him now when I say it. But I got to know. I keep a tally. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so he sent in a uh, Volkswagen Beetle kit car. 
that from what he can tell needs nothing. Um, but I don't think he read the listing because here's the actual <laughs> listing. <laughs> I was worried I'm going to start sending out friggin' swag to everybody. 1968 Beetle with a laser 917 kit on it. So that's like the ones that look like a, a caricature of a Porsche 917. Kind of like it got Ooh. smashed from each end. And it, yeah. <laughs> like, um, anyway, so it has an 1835cc dual carb engine. Whew, slow, slowest 917 ever. Uh, car runs and drives well. Transmission is strong. Car does have a few known issues. Nothing major, though. You can drive it home, but I recommend you put it on a trailer. <laughs> is this the one with the Ultima headlights or like the 350Z yes. headlights or whatever they yes, are? Yes, yes. <laughs> one of them. I think this one had different headlights, but yeah, they have those giant headlights. But yeah, you're right. There was a Laser 917 kit with Nissan Ultima yeah, it was headlights. Cool. It, was, it was pretty bad. So anyway, thank you, Matthew. Nice try, but a few known issues <laughs> is not needed. It's nothing. Disqualified. <laughs> I think you said the best joke ever. Someone at an 818 that was finished. Someone actually finished one. Well, you can buy them finished. All the ones I've seen for sale have never been finished. <laughs> All right. I've, I've only seen them finished. So, um, yeah. I'm also on the Facebook group of people that never finished. However, I did get a tip from Instagram. I apologize um, to the person who sent it to me because I do not remember the the username or, or your handle, but I'm sure they'll reach out for their free T-shirt. So, <laughs> and I think we brought this one up actually. So he sent me the Prova Countach replica. Have you seen these? I don't. Are they like a good looking one? Uh, really good. So this is, there was one for sale on Facebook Marketplace, but you can go to provadesigns.co.uk and it is a the best replica I've ever seen. Um, on the Facebook Marketplace ad, they said that they used like actual Countach body mold, so it was exactly to spec. I'm not sure if I believe that because I've heard that about a bunch of kit cars that were very obviously not made from factory molds. But this car, it looks like a real Countach. Uh, I would have trouble... If I saw one in person, uh, distinguishing it uh, from a real one. Um, and the newest ones that you can buy, so they used to use 350 V8s. They're using Audi RS5 450 horsepower V8s. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So really good sound, too. Um, and you can get the body in fiberglass, S-glass, or woven carbon fiber, which is what this Callaway C12 in front of us is. It's uh, So it doesn't say what it costs for a completed one. You can buy one actually just totally done running, driving, turnkey from them. Uh, but a body is 6,000 pounds. Uh a chassis without suspension is 5,000 pounds, an evocation stage two, which is a body chassis with suspension, wishbones, uh, blah, 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 is 24,000 pounds. So typically you see them online for about $100,000 used for a complete... Oh, it's uh, a real Countach wear. What's that? Well, it's a real Countach. That, that is the currency, uh, Mark Spence. 300 minimum. Oh. <laughs> minimum? <laughs> I'm stepping away. <laughs> well, I was asking the weight. I said that's the currency. Way? <laughs> yeah. In 
24,000, 24, you think a Countach kit weighs 24,000 pounds? That's why I questioned it. Oh, man, Mark. I, I got to say, Mark. I'm searching some images and watching the YouTubes. This uh, this looks pretty good. They probably used the real Honestly, video. I would rather have one of these than a real Countach because it's arguably going to be more reliable. The air conditioning for sure is going to work better. And I think it begs a question, right? At what point is a kit car better than the real thing other than having bragging rights? Like you're never going to get invited to a sweet show with a fake Countach. You can put a camera on this and you can't in a real Countach. I mean, you could. You can just buy one on eBay. But, you know, like an LS-powered, reliable Lamborghini experience for a fifth of the price and not like the stupid kit car that the guy has around town that he's saying is real and it doesn't have windows and it's awful and it's got a automatic transmission but like a gosh darn almost real Countach like I mean the Cobra replica guys get it they're totally happy having a fake one that functions better and is more comfortable than a real one yeah well and I feel like 50 to 100 grand instead of a million dollars well, I feel like this has happened with old like Ferrari, like the 250 GTO and stuff, like all those unobtainium Ferraris. There's really nice kits. They're like right. aftermarkets, or you get into like the Superformance stuff. Yeah, like, don't call those kits. Yeah, well, Be, I yeah. mean, yes, there are some r- kits, but those are typically built on actual Ferrari chassis. Oh, really? So they're I would call that a tribute. So if you take gotcha. like I was thinking the, the ones real that are just Ferrari like... 250 chassis with a real Ferrari 250 V12 and redo the body and shorten the wheelbase and yada yada so it's like a gto or a short wheelbase yeah then but yes your point remains like would you have one of those for a million or a 250 gto for 50 yeah it's like eh. <laughs> yeah yeah um the 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 struggle for me though would be like driving in a public right because everyone would be like oh my gosh it's lamborghini and you'd constantly be having to go no it's it's not real it's not real it's not real like you're yeah. always apologizing. And even if you got not real on the plate, people think you'd be like joking around or whatever. Right. Although I have kit car on my real Lambo and people aren't <laughs> sure. Um, but I feel like at the same time, anyone paying a hundred grand for a Prova Countach probably has the self-respect to not pretend it's real versus the guy who spends 15 grand on a Fiero based Countach you know, they found on Craigslist because he's like, oh, my gosh, I can I can buy instant clout. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I, I, that Prova Countach is pretty, pretty stinking cool. Well, and something you could if you want one, you can use. You buy that. Sure. For all the reasons you mentioned, like AC will work. It's going to be reliable. If it looks close enough and the proportions are right and you want to drive a Countach, just get that. Yeah. Yeah. No, the proportions on this Prova are absolutely perfect i mean it's gorgeous it's gorgeous and i've got a ls 427 in the back i could throw in just (laughs) just slap it in no big deal (laughs) oh my goodness um yes so on a serious note the uh, the corvette curmudgeon was talking about being at the woodward dream cruise but i am headed up to the woodward dream cruise this weekend so oh you'll be there to be awesome yes yes (laughs) I'm riding with the Corvette curmudgeon. <laughs> you tell me how that is now <laughs> when you come back. We're going to argue about whose Corvette is better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you might win, but I've never seen his, so. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's go to a commercial. 
All right, SwitchCast is also brought to you by Celebrity Machines. Celebrity Machines offers more than 250 different screen-accurate license plates as they've appeared in movies and TV shows, such as Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, The Fast and the Furious, Breaking Bad, and so many more. Celebrity Machines also makes our dealer insert plates, as well as our commemorative 2539 plates from the fastest cannonball run ever. Visit CelebrityMachines.com for more info and use promo code SWITCHCAST to save 25.39% at checkout. Speaking of Celebrity Machines, Celebrity Machines also makes the William Hung plates famous for being on Todd Packer's Corvette from The Office. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, that was shown in the somewhat satirical, somewhat serious My Corvette is Best Corvette uh, video that Ethan posts on Inst- on YouTube or whatever that's gone on crazy viral. Face- Facebook now. Right, yeah. and people are occasionally saying like, oh, he's got a well-hung plate. Yeah, typical Corvette owner is compensating. And I'm like, eh, somebody's never seen The Office. Yeah, a few people get it. A few people are like, oh, so you're a big William Hung fan, huh? <laughs> every, every time I see that, I'm like, yep. yeah, they get it. They get yep. it. Oh, Let's go to the Shrewd Negotiator, which is brought to you sort of unofficially by Vin Wiki. Um, so I was browsing on Facebook this week on the Porsche 911 buy sell page, and somebody was selling a macadamia Porsche 991, which is a really pretty color. And it was a pretty good price, so I was intrigued. And the guy listed out everything relevant on the car ownership history, factory options, every you know, scheduled service done at the Porsche dealer, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Even listed out like the Carfax retail value and the Kelly Blue Book retail value. What he neglected to mention was that Carfax also said that it was in an, in an accident with moderate to severe damage, including airbag deployment. And if you look at the Carfax, it shows like the little diagram of like where on the body it was hit. And it was like everywhere except the driver's side. It's like all around the car. And it was put up for sale shortly after the original accident in 2015 by this super sketch dealer because it was listed for sale in California but it was for sale by a dealer in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, what was the name? I looked them up. They were permanently closed, and it was this little like roadside shack, and there's one Jeep out front. Um, what the heck was their name? Anyway, it, it went from there. Oh, ABBA Auto Sales. Sounds legit. Yeah, right? Uh, so it went from there to a Porsche dealer. Um, let's see. And the Porsche dealer described it. This is after the accident. This 911 has only been gently used and has very low miles. They don't come much fresher than this. Is that fresh because it was just rebuilt? Yeah, maybe. After being wrecked. (laughs) Right? Fresh paint. Fresh paint, yeah. Yep. So then it went to Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep. Um, then it went to, golly, so many different dealers. Went to Grand Prix Motors out in Oregon. Uh, they listed it, uh, looks like, a whole bunch of times on different sites. Um, let's see, receive a $50 gas card with the purchase of any of our vehicles. We inspect every car. Um, nothing to do, nothing about the accident, nothing about the accident, still uh nope still nothing oh and then the first time this guy listed it uh 
the entire description was car runs great. Nice. Perfect. Good. So he learned from that and put up a super, you know, detailed ad. But you know, error of omission, let's not talk about the accident, which really bothers me when people do that, right? And he also turned off commenting in the Porsche 911 buy sell group. So always it's always like, a good sign. Oh yeah, right? They say buy the seller. Nah, not so much. But, you know, this guy wasn't the only person. Literally nobody along the line of having this car actually disclosed the accident in their description, which, you know, you're not required to do. Some people say, well, you know, when people inquire, we tell them about it. We're not being sketchy. And I'm like, just put it out there. Like, don't make people fish. Uh, right? Well, yeah. Like, Because as soon as somebody finds out, They'll comment, and then it's gonna. You're not gonna sell the car. You're gonna have to accept way less money. You lose all credibility. This whole thing. Like, just be upfront about it. Yeah, yeah. I. Yeah, I. Whatever. I'm. Not, I'm not the the auto dealer moral police or whatever. Although sometimes I will get after people for not <laughs> disclosing things that they. I know that they know or they should know, but just if you're listing a car for sale. Give the good and the bad, right? Like, just don't make people fish for that crap. It's only going to make them annoyed. So, can I, uh, can I, speaking of accidents, can I tell my quasi, it's not really an accident, but it's an automotive incident that I had this week. This is a good one. Sure. Yeah, this is good. Um, so I'm, I'm driving down, uh, this road and, and, uh, Chagrin Falls, there's a golf course on the north side, golf course on the south side. So geese are everywhere, right? love geese so there's this one trying to cross the road it flies up there's a car headed in my direction in the other lane goose comes down almost hits this thing you know and then the car stops a goose like flies away i'm like whoo that was close i almost watched this goose just get demolished and before i can finish that thought i hear whack <laughs> and i look like to my driver's side mirror and the goose is like spread across the mirror right there like across across the window there and i'm like oh no this is terrible like i thought i avoided this thing you know so and you then, got hit by the goose i got hit by the goose yeah i didn't hit it i i thought the thing flew away so and then it like more. it it like you know slides down the side of my car <laughs> you know like in a cartoon or something like that and then i like look at my mirror on the driver's side and it's in like three pieces like flapping in the wind attached by a few wires to my car still and i'm like what? That sucks, you know? It's terrible. And then I look in my rearview mirror and I see the goose is, you know, he's like in the street and all that. And I'm like, oh, that's really sad. So did you stop or did you goose it to get away? Well, yeah, good one. <laughs> good one. No, so I look back. Yeah, there it is. So I look back at the goose, you know, it's all like laying there all limp and stuff. And I'm like, that's so sad. Then the thing gets up and flies away. I was like, it didn't even die after all that. Couldn't believe it. It's only a flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. I so guess. I pulled over and I snapped it all together. My mirror, that is. And not uh, the goose. Not the goose. <laughs> no, the goose was fine. He flew. I don't know where he was going, but I snapped the mirror together. Somehow it still works. The whole like mirror itself is completely spider web now, so that's useless. But the actual unit is still intact. That's my story for the week. Oh so, man! Yeah. Well, I almost died today. Oh, okay. Yeah. Goodness. What I can't compete what with any decapitated. Yeah. Um, I don't. I wouldn't want to compete with it. No, I was driving an Exoset. Oh, fun. Which is we did a little video on Tiki Talk about that. Uh, it's it's based on a Mazda Miata, but it's like if you took a Mazda Miata and you're like, this car is too heavy and too complicated. Let's strip everything off of it and just keep the engine. <laughs> and 
like put a cage in it, but not a full roll cage because there's nothing in front of you, right? So there, there's the engine and, and the cage and the windshield, but there's no A-pillars, which is super dangerous. Like old Formula One cars, Radicals, all these different cars that don't have a cage around the driver are dangerous because a car could slide up on them in racing. And that's why like Formula One has the, the halo system. Um, and uh, yeah, so people don't get decapitated. And I'm driving down Chamberlain Road, and there's there's nobody in front of me, and there's nobody in front of this car. So I'm going south. The other driver's coming north. And there's no visual screening, right? There's no other car to hide me or that I would be hiding behind because it's a low car. And this Ford F-150 just, like, turns right in front of me. Ooh. Right Whoa. in front of me. And they're, like, they're both looking at me, too. Now, maybe they were going like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap, looking at me. But it seemed like they were just looking at me like, oh, it's a cool car. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm about to drive under you and lose my head because I have nothing, no frame in front of me. And I hit the brakes and I'm like, I can't stop. So thankfully, there was nobody behind them. So I just swerved and went into the oncoming traffic lane and went around them. But I'm like... That was almost it. Oh, like that is no good. No, I mean I think worst case maybe if I had time I would have thought about it and just like aim for their rear tire. Yeah, to give you like something, yeah, something to collide with. Would you have had time to think that? I feel like you just would have gone right under the like bed of that truck. No. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean that's the tough thing because you get into panic situations, and this is why driving schools are important: is to train your reactions. And one of the most important things they teach is threshold braking, which is when you get into a panic situation, you brake right before the threshold of when the ABS would kick in or when you would lock up the brakes. Mm -hmm. And that gives you not only the maximum stopping power, but full control. So if you need to turn, you still can. Whereas you look at most accident scenes, they have skid marks because people panic, they target fixate, and they literally like turn towards the thing they're about to hit and lock up the brakes and slide into it. Yeah. And um, so, like, I don't know. If it was any closer to the point where I didn't have time to swerve and avoid around them, then I don't know that I would have had the mental, like, acuity, is acuity word, um, to not lock up the brakes and to, to be able to, right. like, okay, I'm going to move into the best part to hit the truck. Um but yeah, scary. it was it was it was pretty scary. Yeah, Tyler, what do you got? I I can't compete with any of <laughs> yeah, that. No, I don't. No geese. No no decapitation. No, no none of no. none of that. I am. I we asked the uh, the Corvette curmudgeon earlier tonight for your knowledge, Doug. If uh, you know what kind of road laws he would change. I'm getting pretty sick and tired of people like constantly seeing people cross the double yellow. Like half of their cars <laughs> yeah. are the double yellow, yeah, right. and they're clearly looking at their phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like barreling down the road towards them and they all save it in time but it happens until they so don't. much now that yeah. i'm constantly like wigged Absolutely. out that i'm going to crest a hill and somebody's going to be like trying to text somebody and just take yeah. me out they all yep. save it until they don't i mean that's exactly they'll yeah. save it for you but for the guy you know like over two states over who they didn't save it for like yep. well like i tell story. you i've uh, i've seen a couple of photos of crash 968s those a pillars boy they really come straight at your yeah. face so uh, <laughs> Jeez, yeah. i don't right. want to get an accident in crumple that. zones aren't too advanced back yeah in the 90s. i am a part of the crumple zone in that car so uh, 
I'm sure oh, it'd be man. fine, but it's so he's yeah. Say Don't what you will it. about the fun of old cars and the nostalgia. Like there's nothing about nothing like driving a modern supercar because they are very very safe. Yes, on a relative scale. Still going to drive the nine six. Can't put your fist around the A pillar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but man. Uh, something about modern cars. Uh, Doug, we uh, recently, I don't know if you do follow earnings calls and monies and quarterly reports um, and all that kind of mumbo jumbo. No, not unless it's relevant to something I'm paying attention to otherwise. So neither do I. Uh, but <laughs> Good. Good uh, there, were, there were some headlines a couple of weeks ago that uh, Lucid is losing a whole ton of money. So the headlines were that they were losing 500K per car. Wait, what? what? So is that like include... Go. Hold on. Is that... Like actual operating slash production costs, or is that amortized uh, like R and D costs? I think it's that. So I was confused because they're none of them are five hundred k, right? Because like the Bugatti Veyron lost like a million dollars per car, but that was yeah. because of what it cost to develop. So essentially, from what I could tell, Business Insider calculated this and they took their losses for like the period and then just divided it or something by however many cars they sold. Sure. But it came out to every time they sold a car, that was technically like 500 grand that they lost. But in theory, if they doubled their sales slash production, they would cut those losses in half in theory, which they're struggling with because they made because nobody wants them. (laughs) So they made a little bit over 2,000 cars uh, this last quarter, and they sold 1,400. So Ooh, they've got stuff like sign. sitting in... in I mean, in, it's in, a really good sign yeah, for it's internal either. combustion. But yeah, no, that's, that's, not a, that's, that's not a good thing. So uh, that, that got me thinking. I'm like, how is any of this sustainable? Like, I, uh, this is supposed to be the new transportation, and all you hear is all these losses. So I started doing a little bit more digging. Uh, obviously, Lucid is like... We're partnering with Aston Martin. We just started selling cars in Saudi Arabia. Like, look how great we're doing and all this stuff. So they're feeling cheery about it, even though they're losing all of this cash. Uh, Also found that from other investors, they're funded through like 2026 or something like that. So it's money is weird. Investors (laughs) are certainly happy to take a risk on these new companies. I think what what baffles me is that. So we have a relatively, I shouldn't say a new technology. It's not. EV technology is older than the automobile. However, within the last 20 years, it's become new technology. Let's say like lithium ion batteries and the the EVs that we're dealing with now is a quote unquote new technology. It's had a resurgence. Um, So you have all these companies, Tesla kind of, did okay at it. But you have all these small companies that are trying to become technology companies. Be like, yeah, we're going to figure out EV stuff, like the the powertrain. But we're also going to make a car from scratch. Like, it is so hard to start a car company. The failure rate is insane. The capital required is insane. And they're, like, trying to do both. Instead of just saying, let's be a technology company and sell our technology to General Motors or to Toyota or somebody else, and let's focus on figuring out how to make a battery that will charge quickly, that won't be a fire hazard, that is, you know, can be produced in a renewable manner. Any of these problems that we have to solve in order for EVs to actually be ubiquitous and sustainable. But no, let's, let's build a car from scratch, too. That's the thing that's that always doesn't make me, sense to me is I'm like, no, none of these guys know how to make a car, but it like 
they're learning, including Tesla. <laughs> we'll say. I mean, the the Cybertruck is a complete disaster. Oh yeah. So yeah. I. Uh, it turns out that nobody making EVs is exempt from this. Everybody's losing money on these. Which I figured, yeah. uh, for those on the audio <laughs> podcast, Doug is grinning quite largely right now. That's that's a big old grin. Um, <laughs> so apparently this is because EV sales have hit like 6% of total cars. And there is a theoretical like barrier around 7 to 10% where the like adoption rate is just going to drop off a cliff because you get all the early adopters who are really excited, trying the new technology. Of course. And, and are willing to put up with some yes. of the things in order to have them. Yep. So we are so, rapidly approaching the point where like there's going to be a bunch of these sitting around. This happened. Forgive me. Somebody can fact check me or whatever. But this happened about 20 years ago or 25 ish in California. California mandated that a certain percentage of new vehicle sales had to be EV. Sound familiar? <laughs> Sounds a little familiar. And it, they had to roll it back because the buying public was just like, nope, not happening. We don't want them. They suck. And back then they did suck, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you, you, you can't mandate the free market. I mean, you can. Doesn't, can try. doesn't work so well. So I don't know what 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 great cars did the USSR produce? I'm sure Dan Doucette would probably say something, but you wouldn't say great. <laughs> That's yeah. true. Cool, maybe it was a rhetorical question. Well, Rivian and Lucid, I believe, whatever they went public at, whatever their stock was trading for when they went public, they're both. I think Rivian more so are like drastically below that now. What they're trading for? Oh they've, yeah, they've had their spikes for sure, but I think whatever they opened at when they went public, it's. It's not there anymore. Uh, Rivian opened at 130-ish, and they're at 21 now. So they're down right. 83% over time. I think that was a pretty quick dip that the Rivian stock took. Yes. Yeah. What's all that hype? Yeah. Lo yeah. It, was, it, people it looks like the Carvana stock from 2021 to 22. <laughs> yeah. Lucid might not be that drastic i don't know but i know rivian in particular was is wildly below where they went public so i even uh went to look up because i was curious it's like okay ford knows how to make a car they're selling evs what are they doing they're Not losing thirty-two thousand dollars per car uh, for every ev they sell and, and the lightnings are not selling no i think the mach e's are sitting as well aren't they now that's no what one, i hear yeah that car irritates uh, the the biggest complaint I've heard about the Maki -E with people is like why, like why put the Mustang name on it? Are they trying? Is there, it is, is it cool to make it its own brand? Yes. right. That's yeah. what I've heard. Similar to Corvette, like Corvette. and Genesis and, and stuff yeah, like exactly. That. Come out with a car and then they they brand it. Yes, but people did. They're not taken to that. They're not taken to it at all. So nope. I don't know. Nope. So the uh, the last thing I got on this that I think will also make you happy, Doug, is that Ford is planning to make a greater use of hybrid technology and no longer has a target for producing over 200 or sorry, not 200, 2 million electric vehicles per year when the original target was 2026. Mm -hmm. So Ford is now backpedaling to hybrids, which is probably the immediate answer all along after mm -hmm. this, all of this. I think GM is, too. I, I was trying Good. to find some more stuff on that, but the CEO, I think, of GM said that they're like they had bet so heavily on it, and if it doesn't work out, like it'll bankrupt them. 
like the EV thing. So and everyone is doing it. Kia's got the EV6. Hyundai has the yeah. Ionic or Ion- whatever it's called. I just saw Volkswagen has one that I don't know and don't care. Like everyone is doing it, mm-hmm. and they all look the same. That's the irritating. Trying part. to up their ESG scores. Uh, Save the planet. Let's just produce uh, produce batteries and energy in China, where they have no uh, no emissions regulations at all. Anyway, we're getting into politics now. Let's get to the appraiser. Yes. So I can feel pain again. <laughs> <laughs> so last week, um, let's see. You, uh, let's see. Both Not cars last that we picked. Sorry. Well, last time that we picked, uh, got to do a refresher. I picked for uh, uh, Tyler a Porsche 928 with a Toyota Century V12, and he picked a 1988 Nissan Silvia Q for me. And interestingly enough, although our bet numbers were different, they both sold for the exact same price. They both sold for $15,500. Uh, I lost that because Tyler guessed fifteen grand on the Porsche 928, which I thought he was going to lose terribly because the current bid when he guessed was fifteen grand. Uh, anyway, so that went for fifteen five, which wow. was in my mind the deal of the century. Wow, pun intended, because it had a century V twelve. Yeah, yep. that's good. Yep, you get it. Okay. Um, the nineteen eighty eight Nissan Silvia Q, I bet twenty one grand, and that sold for fifteen five. So I totally lost that stinking uh, that one. However. There was quite a bit of drama in the Nissan Silvia auction in that the seller did not want to honor the winning bid. The buyer tried to buy it and the seller said, I guess they just ghosted him or said, hey, I'm not selling the car for that. It went too low. And I think it was a it was a no reserve auction. So they gambled and lost. Um, And this is I guess I feel a little bit redeemed because a bunch of people in the comments were saying that the car should have sold for 20 or 25 grand. So my wild guess was maybe accurate, but listen, it didn't. The market spoke. It went for 15.5. This is the second auction of its kind that I've seen in my recent research where this happened. So there's a Porsche 987 Boxster Spider that sold fairly recently for around 60 grand. And it was a reasonably low mileage car, a six speed manual, and that should be a 70 to 80K car all day long. So, needless to say, the seller bailed on that. That was not a no reserve auction. That was a, yeah, I guess he just picked a low reserve thinking, oh, well, you know, it'll go higher than that, or he didn't understand what the reserve meant. Um, and nobody was bidding, and it just happened to go low. So uh, people can say what they want about auction platforms. Um, You know, it's really not the auction platform's fault. You can't force somebody to, you know, do a deal that uh, they're they're not going to do. But uh, there are some interesting suggestions made about that in terms of like, you know, taking a deposit from the seller uh, until the deal's completed, essentially, you know, so they have some skin in the game so that if they don't, you know, sell the car, they lose a few thousand bucks, like the same way the buyer does, right? So right. if the buyer wins a car and doesn't come through, 
bring a trailer, P-Car Market, whomever will keep their buyer yeah, fee on the there. credit card. Yeah. So it's like, well, you didn't come through, but it cost you two, three, five thousand dollars to not come through on the deal. Is that standard practice or is that is it becoming more common? The, the buyer or? fee? Well, like you, uh, what did you say before the buyer fee that people are starting to take those deposits more and more? Or is that something that... No. So they suggested that bring a trailer, um, take a deposit from the seller. So that from the seller, if they okay. bailed, okay. then like... Like the buyer has to do in the first place. Correct. Yeah, right. So it would essentially right. force their hand and say, you have to sell the car or else you lose... You lose whatever X you're out. Of yeah, right. Right. Um, although I guess they don't, I don't know, they don't do that with houses, right? It's always the buyer. Not really? I mean, isn't it uh what do you say? Caveat, I'm tour, buyer beware. Isn't it always on the buyer to put the skin in the game and take the risks? But I guess. I mean, it might not be fair, but it's yeah, free I mean, market, well, right? I mean. the difference is to, to list your house, there's a fairly giant contract. Um, and if you accept an off- offer, you sign a contract as well. So you can get sued for breach of contract. And there's, I think True. there's enough case law and precedent uh, in real estate because people break their contracts and the contracts are written in such a way that like, okay, we know this could happen. Right. So the seller can get sued and lose a bunch of money. But with car deals, like it's, it's so tough to enforce any kind of contracts like that. Especially through an auction house. Yeah, especially through bring so, a trailer. I, I mean, I think it's a valid suggestion. I think it might scare some sellers. You away, don't sound though. totally sold on it. I, you know what I'm totally sold on is don't friggin' pick a reserve that's less than you're willing to take. I mean, it's yeah. that simple. Like the guy with the boxer spider took a reserve of sixty grand. Like regardless of whether he thought he would go for more or not. Like why did I pick do a that? reserve? What's the rationale behind? Just because you think you're gonna blow past it, so it doesn't matter. Or Maybe you don't. I mean, Seems wild. He might say like, "Well, I didn't understand how it worked." It's like, "Hey, man, <laughs> the reserve is sixty it's grand." On you at that point, though. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so I lost. Let's see how we do this week. Um, Tyler. Yes. What do you got for me? I am so you probably know this car, but I'm very excited because I saw this and I don't feel like I'm overselling it. The photos made me feel some type of way. I'm going to start off with that that the photos are amazing. Uh, so this is on P Car Market. Okay, it is a 1997 Porsche 993 Cup with the uh, 3.8 RSR engine trim package. Whatever the title of the listing. What's the livery? Uh, it doesn't have one. Oh, is it white? Is it body white? It is white. white. Mm. So has it been raced? It has not. Ooh. Whoa. So this was never raced. Originally delivered to Japan. I'm sorry. I got distracted. <laughs> there is a blue Chiaro over cream 355 Berlinetta six-speed also on Peak Car Market that I'm looking at. I might. Buy this thing. That is okay. gorgeous. All right. Uh, anyway, so all right, nine nine three cup. So it's a ninety six, yes. ninety seven, whatever. Yeah, ninety three cup, three point eight. Never raced. So it was delivered to Japan originally to some okay. conglomerate dealership. Somebody over there. Yep. Uh, Seinfeld brought it in 
to the U.S. in 2015. Okay. Uh, I didn't know the EPA has a racing exclusion, but I guess it makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything that's not street legal, you can bring in because there's no title. You're not driving it on the street. Yeah. Makes sense. So, yeah, there is no title. There's no Carfax. Like, no, all that stuff's out the window. How many Uh, hours? It doesn't list that from what I saw. Okay. It does, How many it, kilometers? 6,200, 6,300 Okay, kilometers. so it has been on track or yes. driven or something. There is a video of it in the listing driving down like a curvy road. And sure. Oh, my goodness. It, the, the sounds, the sights. Um, but it, it's... So is it street legal now because it's more than 25 years old? There was no... That I don't know. That it, is a... That's a... That's a fifty thousand dollar question, in my opinion. It should be because it's more than twenty five years old. Because like the they're making the three fifty five challenge and even some of the three sixty challenge cars street legal, and people are all about those because they're like, "Ooh, I can drive a a pseudo race, well, a real race car on the street, and I can plate it." It has like a fake plate on it in the listing. Um, man, that is good looking. That is good. Yeah, looking. and it, in the video of it as well, it has Cup three uh, eight RSR is on a Euro wide plate. Okay, I'm looking at it now. So it is bill of sale. I, somebody should be able to get this titled somewhere and get it street legal. But because mm, my this thing is good, don't those photos just do something? Oh boy. Um, yeah, under my uh, Carfax notes, because I know we usually like to talk about that. I put, does it matter? <laughs> like, I don't. Eh. Mm, I'm going to say this is a tough one. I'm going to say four hundred and four hundred forty thousand. All right, locked in. Locked. The final in. answer. That is a tough one. Mm. I figured this was just close enough to your wheelhouse, but also different different that enough that tough. it's going to be that is tough. Be challenging. You should watch the video, and everybody listening should go watch the video as well because this thing sounds rowdy. I mean, nine nine three RS Street Legal is half a million, give or take four to five hundred k. Cup three point eight hours. That's that's a tough one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try four hundred forty grand. I tried a Man, little bit to not be me. as cruel. You're a, this is cool though. I just t- want to talk about this. I know it's 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 good. Uh, I think it would go for more if if you could get it if it was street legal already. Somebody can. All right, I was worried you were gonna pick this one. I had a backup, but this one also on P car market. This one also a Porsche. This is a 1957 Porsche 356 Speedster wide body replica built by Vintage Motor Cars. Oh, it's one now, of those. Now, there's a little bit you need to know. They used to be called Vintage Speedsters, and the company sold back in like 2015 or 17 or something. And the ones built after the sale are called Vintage Motor Cars, and they do go for a little bit more than the Vintage Speedsters one. Apparently, they're a little bit higher in quality. I will also give you this tidbit. Um, the car was on our friend's site, drive down cars prior to this, although it had pretty crappy photos and the reserve or floor or whatever, the lowest price on drive down cars was 63,000 and it did not sell there. So now almost immediately following that auction, it's up on P car market as 672 miles. It's black with a black top tan interior nice wood three-spoke nardi style wheel five-spoke wheels 
uh, Am I allowed to fat, look at fat, it? Fat wide body. Sure, or do you, you get can to do this because your pictures losing. pictures are awesome. It's got a good presentation score. Um, yeah. So what are these like built on? Uh, I, I believe they are built on a Volkswagen chassis, and they use a Volkswagen um, engine. So this is a twenty three hundred cc engine, which is a pretty big engine. So most of the the factory three fifty sixes were like sixteen hundreds, eighteen hundreds. The last three fifty six replica I sold, I think, was a eighteen hundred cc. So that's a pretty pretty fat motor. Oh, this is really tough. Yeah. All well, right. I'm going to stall for a little bit. While 17 I think. inch chrome wheels. <laughs> I I don't like the style on these. With I was just going to ask, but that is what people do on the wide body. So it's not like a true to real original speedster. It's more of a California cruising type thing. But come on, man, put oh, in a number. God, um, put in a number. I will do. 65,000. 65,000. All right. Higher than the what it sold for on drive down. All right. 65,000. Let's see. Let's see if it goes. It it does have far better pictures than on the other yeah, side. These pictures look pretty good. And I think that's that's key. That's key. Presentation scores a lot. All right. Cool. Well, tune in next week to see how far off Tyler was and how close I was. <laughs> now, hold on a second. Now, this, the, the stats it's, don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking like Shelby Cobra, like replica. Obviously, this isn't as nice as some of those, maybe. Right. In terms of looks. But that's where I was going, at least. I'm, I'm already making excuses because this is going to go for like $35,000 or something. <laughs> <laughs> You want to know what my my guess was? What was it? 45. Ugh, that was my first guess, and I bumped it up. No. Oh, well. It'll probably go 50. This is where the, this, the, the, the tables turn again. Right. All right. Uh, it is time, I believe, for the props and flops. Props and flops are brought to you by Switch Cars. Switch Cars is the enthusiast dealership where we buy, sell, consign, service, and store only cars that we like ourselves. Check out our handpicked inventory at switchcars.com. And our pick of the week from Switch Cars inventory is. Yeah, so uh, uh, Switch oh, hold Cars. Hold on a second. Wait. Ethan, who let this? Uh, sorry, Corvette Camargo, aren't you usually home by now? Yeah, usually, usually, but, uh, you know, Switch Cars. I, I'm not usually a fan of dealers or used cars at all, for that matter. But, uh, you know, they let me take a car home last week, which oh, was pretty cool. They? Wow. Yeah. Well, it, it weren't no Corvette, but, you know, my my old woman is interested in, you know, something a little more fun than her, her GMC friggin' SUV. So she wanted a convertible or something, you know, to, to take out on nice days to get her nails done. And uh, they have this 2003 Jaguar XK8. Now, it's white on tan. You wouldn't ever catch me dead driving a white car or foreign car, for that matter. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, this car is really nice. It's, it's, you know, my kind of owner, right? He kept it in the garage under a cover. It's never seen rain. He took it to the Jaguar con- concours uh, shows. 
you know, and, and he won lots of awards. He's got trophies and stuff. He's got the original window sticker and service records and everything. This thing, it's it's very intriguing, you know. It's a really nice car. It's got 4.2-liter V8. There's a you know? really uh, interesting fact about this car. I don't know if you know this. Are you ready yep. for me to hit you? Sure. Uh, Ford owned a Jaguar when this was made. What? So. <laughs> yeah. This what? is Ford? Practically a Ford, honestly. Ah, yeah, forget <laughs> it. Now, you won't find me buying a BOS Ford. I'm a Chevy man. My wife will have to deal with that. You know what Ford stand for? Oh, what does it stand Found for? Found on road debt. <laughs> Fix or repair daily. Fails uh, on race day. You know who okay. else was a Chevy man? Who was a Chevy man? Ron Fellows, Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon. Cal Yarborough, Jimmy Johnson, Rusty Wallace, just to name a few. But you don't have to drive this. No, I ain't giving my money to them. I'm a Chevy guy. Alrighty. Well, I'll. Uh, you be sure to tell Doug that that is you were the reason the sale is gone. Don't blame me because he might be upset. <sighs> hey, Doug, what's up? How you doing? Good. <laughs> Welcome back. That was good. I think uh, Corvette Curmudgeon might not be buying that car. Oh, well, well, you can. It's actually going on bringing a trailer. Oh, is it really? Yeah. You, it, I, it, this thing is super nice. Actually, so you were driving Jack. it around, weren't you? <laughs> uh, I did drive it home once, yes. <laughs> it's white on almost white interior. It's <laughs> it's sick. I love my Florida old man golf convertibles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so nice. Uh, anyway, our flop of the week. Speaking of uh, fledgling automotive manufacturers, I keep getting these ads Join the legacy. Invest in Celine. Oh, oh <laughs> collective groan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you know, a lot of us remember Celine Mustangs from eighties, nineties, and two thousands, and they're awesome. Some, yep, yep. Uh, some of us remember the Celine S seven, the f- supercar that uh, he built in early two thousands. And the company has made some some pretty awesome stuff and has a, a good history, um, sort of, sort of. Um, but one, always a red flag when an automotive company wants an investment, right? Publicly traded or not. I mean, they're just notoriously bad investments, especially small companies. I mean, friggin' Aston Martin has gone bankrupt how many times? Like, oh, God. Anyway, but Steve Celine, like, I, I don't want to badmouth the guy. He's made some awesome cars, but it seems like he's clueless with business, right? So let's just give a little bit of backstory. So he wants you to invest. I don't remember what the minimum investment was. It doesn't matter. But he wants to, you to become part of the future of their company. He built this car called the Celine S1, has taken deposits for it, but I guess needs some money to complete the cars. Um, gee, it sounds kind of familiar, like Di Tommaso we were talking about a few weeks ago. Um, but like brief history, <laughs> Mark, we can all hear you. Brief history on Celine. So it, like in the last 20 years, right? So around 2007, Steve resigned as CEO of Celine, uh, the company with his name on it. So then he started a new company, uh, let's see, what was this called again? I can't remember. But he started a new company, and shortly after, Celine went bankrupt. Well, a couple years later, he took Celine back over again. Sounds a little suspicious. 
within a couple years, so this was around 2014, his filings with the SEC said that he had about $7,500 in cash in the bank and about $5 million in liabilities. Not... That's like Carvana style right, right. there. <laughs> yeah. So in comes this um, uh, d- d- Chinese businessman, Wang. Um, I almost said in comes Chinese Wang. But uh, he had already been investigated by the U.S. authorities and had some, you know, some interesting stuff in his background. But they go to the Chinese government and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to. I guess the Chinese government maybe approached them and said, hey, we want a legendary automotive manufacturer to come build, you know, sports cars and reinvent our image in China. I'm like, okay, Steve Selene's a cool guy and a great tuner, but I wouldn't call him a legendary manufacturer. So I think he maybe fell prey to a little bit of the uh, flattery. (laughs) And um, the Chinese government invested over a billion dollars into this plant, but they also valued Steve Celine's IP, his intellectual property, at $800 million. Whoa. Which is a little bit optimistic, in my opinion. That's astounding. I've no never valued any thought I've had more than, <laughs> more than $10. I do. Ethan, Thanks, I Doug. do. I'll give you 20 Um <laughs> Right. So obviously that didn't go so well. They didn't make any sports cars. They ended up making these goofy little city cars that had like cartoon characters and and kid like anime on the side of them. (laughs) Um, Yep. Didn't sell very many. They were underperforming compared to their competitors. And then Steve said, oh, man, the Chinese government stole all my patents and kicked me out of my own company. So like that's the background of this guy that's then saying, hey, invest in, join the legacy. Dude's a train wreck. That's the legacy of Celine. And again, there's two sides to every story, but this is stuff I'm pulling from a Los Angeles Times article. Like, it's, it's, there's a lot of smoke there. And then in the comment section of these Facebook ads, you've got people left and right going, oh yeah, I work for a company. Celine owes my company a bunch of money. Like he's known for <laughs> bouncing checks and not paying vendors. It's like... That's part of the legacy, bro. Right. That's part of the legacy. So yes, join... Join yeah. Celine. Yeah. Great investment. Did Great you investment. know, Doug, that you can get a Celine Tesla? What? What? On the, on the Celine.com website, the 2020 Celine GTX available now. It's the ultimate all-electric hot rod based on the Tesla Model S. The Celine GTX sedan featured advanced aerodynamic design and functionality, Celine-specific ah. suspension and brakes, Celine interior, and uh, the best part, a unique driveline gearing that provides a special electric supercar oh. sound. Maybe Tesla is Celine's solution to bankruptcy. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Celine solution. <laughs> I did. Uh, uh, yes. That's a reach. Yeah, that's a reach. Anyway, good, uh, our f- prop of the week <laughs> is our producer, Ethan Huffnagel, for two things. Oh. One, Hey-o. he Hey-o. got us past 10,000 subs on YouTube, which yeah. is fantastic. It's a lot harder than most people think. Um, yeah. yeah, I think when we started this, we were at like three. So it's been a slow but steady growth. Thank you all for liking. Smash that subscribe button, you know, share, blah, blah, blah. But uh, anyway, yeah, Ethan Ethan knows what he's doing. 
And uh, shameless plug for Ethan. He <laughs> finally took the entrepreneurial leap and quit his day job and uh, went to do full-time digital marketing. So if you want uh, your podcast or whatever you're doing promoted and marketed, your business, your website built, he knows SEO, he knows programming, he knows all the social media crap. Uh, yeah, check him out at semdeck.com, S-E-M-Deck.com. So awesome. We are very proud of Ethan. And uh, Thank you, Doug. Yes, it'll be yeah, reflected congrats, in our dude. bill Thank now you. that he's Ooh. running his own company. You get paid. Well, you know. <laughs> you know. Anyway, so on that, I can't say on that bombshell because that's top gear, but uh, on that <laughs> note... Uh, thank you all for joining us tonight. We will be back next week. I think our planned topic is talking about exotic car hacks. Is it a scam or is it genius or something in between? <laughs> so thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Ethan and Tyler. Thank you to our sponsors, Boxcast Nuts for Sticks, Switch Cars, Celebrity Machines, Parallel Printworks, and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Our bumper music is provided by Emily and Ivory. You can stream their full album on Spotify or SoundCloud. This episode will be available next Monday in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday at 8 p.m. as we look forward to edifying, educating, and entertaining you on the drive of your life. <laughs>